0: Welcome to The Queen and Jersey, a special edition series by Bailiwick Podcasts. Time and technology worked in tandem to make Queen Elizabeth II Britain's most travelled monarch, Her Majesty was 96 years old when she died, having come to the throne in 1952, by far the oldest and longest-serving royal Great Britain has ever known. In the early part of her reign, she travelled as most of her predecessors had, by boat and train, but later advances in aviation, particularly the jet engine, revolutionised travel and shrunk the world, making visits to far-flung destinations more practical. However, this punishing globe-trotting lifestyle did not come at the expense of tours closer to home. She came to Jersey on six occasions, more than any other monarch. So far, we've looked back on visits in 1949, 1957 and 1978. Today, we turn to Her Majesty's fourth visit in 1989. In the space of little over a decade since her last visit, Britain had elected its first female Prime Minister and had gone to war over the Falklands. Closer to home, Jersey's population had jumped from 73,000 to 84,000. The island had gifted the Falklands 5 million to aid their recovery. The states had abolished the death penalty, and St Lawrence had elected the island's first female constable. And, for the first time, St Helia's enlarged harbour meant Britannia did not need to moor in St Oban's Bay, as it had on two earlier visits, but could sail directly into what was the newly created Elizabeth Marina. That evening, 42 guests were invited to dine aboard the ship and a further 200 later attended a drinks reception. Prominently on show aboard the yacht was the silver milk can adorned with the parish crests that the island had given the young queen when she had made her first visitor's queen back in 1957. For almost an hour, starting at 10.20, fireworks lit up St. Oban's Bay, although there was a pause at 11.10, during which the band of the Royal Marines beat retreat on the pier whilst the guests looked on from the deck of the Britannia. The following day, on Thursday 25th of May at 10, the Queen stepped ashore and shortly afterwards performed her first official duty, opening the new harbour terminal. Six-year-old Caroline Gray, whose father worked at the harbour, had the honour of presenting the Queen with her first bouquet of the visit. As on previous occasions, there was a special states' assembly sitting, during which the fifth bailiff of the Queen's reign, Sir Peter Crill, read out the loyal address. But, unlike on earlier occasions, this was followed by a more relaxed atmosphere as the Queen went on a walkabout in the Royal Square, posing for photographs and chatting to many of the islanders who had been waiting patiently for hours to catch a glimpse of the monarch. Amongst those presented to the Queen was Lillian Lakuta, who was celebrating her 100th birthday. The informal atmosphere continued as a waving queen travelled against the usual flow of traffic in an open, horse-drawn carriage the short distance from the Royal Square to the new library in Halkett Place. After officially opening the building, she eavesdropped on story time for youngsters. A member of staff was reading the smallest teddy bear in the world to a group of children, including brother and sister, five- and three-year-old Selina and Brian Constantine. The homage of the seigneurs was also lightened up and made more accessible by being held in the grounds of gory castle rather than the dark royal court building. But, as tradition dictates, as part of the ceremony, the seigneur of Trinity, Major John Riley, still had to present the monarch with two dead mallards on a silver salver. As further evidence of the monarchy's new approach, the Queen's common touch, and a move away from just acknowledging the great and the good, just before lunch, the Queen popped into the home of Malcolm Gray and Gorey Village for a private ten-minute visit. Malcolm, a former BBC Radio Jersey presenter, had been a well-known charity worker who in 1987 had suffered a massive stroke. Then, under the watchful eyes of owners Colin and Robert Jones, more than 200 guests and a further 100 members of the press and security guards in a separate room, the Queen attended a special luncheon at Jersey Potteries in Gory Village. There was a smoked salmon starter, which was followed by lobster with local vegetables and Jersey royal potatoes. For dessert, there was a fresh fruit salad and Friendy's pastries. The meal was served with Clos de Lamar, a local white wine from Lamar Vineyards. Afterwards, the Queen was presented with a silver gilt copy of the Royal Mace, which had been made by local craftsman Richard Blompier of Orham Jewellers. As with previous visits, a special agricultural show was put on for the Queen to visit, this time at Howard Davis Farm. Again, she was given a cow to add to her herd at Windsor. However, in the 1980s, it was arguably not a cow that was the face of Jersey, so much as fictional TV detective Jim Bergerac, actor John Nettles. He was also in attendance at the show, and no doubt briefed by savvy advisers, the Queen congratulated him on getting his qualies. A visit to Victoria College was once again on the Royal List of Duties. It was the first time in 144 years that the Queen's awards had been given by a reigning monarch. Keith Dixon was presented with the Queen's Gold Medal for Science, Dominic Chan the Queen's Gold Medal for Mathematics, Philip Le Corneau the Queen's Senior History Prize, and Mark Reed the Queen's Junior History Prize. Dominic Chan's parents flew in from Hong Kong to attend the ceremony, and three of the recipients, although having less distance to travel, came back to the island from university in the UK. 2,000 pupils and guests heard Michael Heditch read out the loyal address and cheered when the Queen announced she had asked the headmaster to grant the school an extra day's holiday. Just after four o'clock, the couple left the college for the airport, where, 30 minutes later, the royal flight took off. Thank you for listening to The Queen and Jersey. This is an audio version of an article produced by Eric Blakely and the Bailiwick Express team, read by me, Fiona Potney. If you'd like to see the full version with stunning photography courtesy of Jersey Archive, you can click the link in the episode description. If you've enjoyed delving into this period in the island's history, please do like and share this podcast with others. Express will be releasing a special edition on the day of Her Majesty's State Funeral on Monday 19th of September. It will include tributes, memories and detailed analysis of the island's special relationship with the crown. To receive the free special edition straight to your inbox, head to www.bedewickexpress.com and sign up for our free daily news email. You'll also be able to find it on the Bedewick Express app. Download it now from Apple or Google Play.